I want to share with you from 2 Chronicles chapter 34. You have a Bible. And tonight we're going to talk about a teenage king. A teenage king. It actually started when he was eight years old. Imagine that, being a king and only eight years old. <laughs> right here it says in verse 1 of Second Chronicles 34, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right during the eighth year of his reign. While he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. And so at eight years old right here, we see that Josiah becomes king. I mean, I mean so if you're eight years old, what grade are you in? Probably the third grade. Okay, so that kind of helps us a little bit. Do you guys remember when you were in the third grade? <laughs> I remember, man. You know, you kind of know, oh, yeah, that's when I was at that school or, you know, this happened to me. Imagine being a king in the third grade. I don't know what it was like for him. I don't know if he was necessarily calling the shots at eight years old. If he was, I'm sure he had some type of sweets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Um, more than likely, as a king, an eight-year-old king without guidance would play video games all day, um, Legos, uh, you name it, out there with the ponies. Um, but more than likely, at eight years old, he had some type of godly influence. And so some of you guys are here, you're, you're, you're teenagers now, and God gave you a parent that, that loves you, and they've given you that guidance. And so eventually you've got to make the same decision that Josiah made. Notice again, it says right here that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Right here it says in verse 3, during the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And so at 16 years old, something happened in his life. Something happened, man. Something clicked. There was like they can actually put their finger on how old he was, what you know, day. Something happened where he, you know, at this point, something changed. You know, if you're out there and you're a teenager, a young person, I hope you're inspired by this, that it doesn't matter what your age is. You know, for some of you guys, you're a little older. Some of you, you might be a little younger. Um, it doesn't matter. Right here, the main thing, like Josiah, hopefully, it says right there that he had that heart to please the Lord. Look again in verse 2. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And that's where it starts. You know, hey, watching this TV program, is that pleasing to God? You know, listening to that music, again, not to sound legalistic, you know, but, you know, is that pleasing to God? You know, it starts with the faith. And so hopefully you know, for example, Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God, he who comes to God must believe that he is, 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, Hebrews 11 is a really cool chapter because Hebrews 11 is about all these guys that changed the world, that did these amazing things in the kingdom of God. And he says right here that they did it like Noah, you know, or, or, or David or Moses or whoever it was, they did it by faith. And the cool thing is that it impacted the nation. So again, I don't want you guys to think that that can't be you. How many of you here love your country? You love your country, right? I mean, let me tell you something. You were born here for a reason. You were born in the United States of America. Now, if you're a Christian, you're a citizen of heaven, but you're also a citizen of this nation. And I don't know how, but somehow God will use your life, your life to make a difference. Now, if you have faith, then, you know, you'll be able to please God and he will use you in a great way. And that's why Hebrews 11, the hall of faith is so cool. You know, but, but it's that faith that's necessary. I do believe in God. I do believe in Christ. I do believe in the Bible. I do believe he loves me. I do believe that he's with me. I do believe, you know, uh, what Philippians 4.13 says. Today I'm talking to this young guy. And well, he's not really that young. He's like 33 years old. He can't hold down a job. I mean, he's never had any guidance his entire life. I mean, his whole life, he's never had anyone to show him the way. And so we're talking 45 minutes, we're on the phone. And I told him, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go look up Philippians 4.13. I want you to go find a Bible, look it up on your phone, and I want you to text me back what it says. And it was so cool because um, he went, he looked it up, and he texted me back Philippians 4.12 and 13. And I didn't even know that that was applicable because he's going through some financial struggles. And there in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, it says, I can, I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to abase. I've learned how to have you know, steak and lobster. And I've learned how to have you know, beans and rice. I've learned both, man. And then it goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, and, and that's, you got, do you believe that? See, that's what he's, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You've got to believe that, and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that verse. And then that faith must be followed with actions, right? Jesus said in John 8, 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And that should be the litmus test for your life. You know, I mean, is this decision, whatever it is, this ambition, this possession, this relation, think about it. Does it please God? Now, if you're a Christian uh, girl, you should not date a non-Christian boy. You shouldn't even be interested. You shouldn't start flirting. You don't even say, hey, you know, come to church and you start doing the missionary dating thing. That's not what we're supposed to do. If you're a young man and you're a Christian, you should absolutely not even begin to think about being interested into a, in a girl that's not a Christian because that is not pleasing to God. And the reason it's not pleasing to God is because if, she doesn't, if she's not a Christian, that'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your life. I mean, God might show grace and different things can happen, you know, but I'm just saying this is where we have to 
Josiah, at 16 years old, he began to seek the Lord, and he began to realize, hey, it's, it's about pleasing him. And notice again what it says in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing, notice, in the Lord's sight. Let me ask you a question. Does God see everything? Absolutely. You know, you can't hide from him. You can't be looking at something on your phone without realizing I'm doing this in the face of God. And this is not just for young people. It's for some of the older people out there. The devil is devouring your life because you are not completely committed. It's as simple as this. Surrender, fall to your knees, give your heart to God. Right here we see, you know, God sees everything. And I, and I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. I believe he sees the thoughts that I think. I, the Bible talks about this. And so when you're aware of that doctrine, that theology of God seeing everything, and you know, then it changes everything because you can't hide in the dark. There's nowhere you can run that you can hide from his presence. And you might be here thinking, well, I've been getting away with sin, and I'm still alive. Well, I've seen people die, number one. I've seen people die and go to hell. But I've also seen people go to prison. I've also seen people hurt other people. It's not worth it. So for us, you know, when we, when we come to that place, and it's like, I just, you know what, I just want to please God. You know, he made me. He died for me on a cross. I want to please him. And I, I just know that he sees everything. So then, you know, you begin to give every area of your life to the Lord. You know, I love the fact that he did it at such a, a young age. Ecclesiastes 12.1 is a really cool verse. It says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, hey, life is not pleasant anymore. So, so today I was at the gym, and uh, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but last November, I hurt my knee. And so I've been, you know, just doing the elliptical, and it's kind of cool, but it's not. Anyways, you're there. I love running, and so my knee was feeling better, better, better. And so today I said, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to get on that, on that uh, um, treadmill and do some running. And, you know, that lasted for about a minute, man. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my knee's messed up. Listen, young people, you're going to get old. (laughs) So, you know, you're like, okay, well, I'm young, and I'm going to enjoy life right now. And, you know, listen, if you don't make God number one, you're not going to enjoy your life. Give him your young years. Give him those young years. Uh, You can talk to any older person here. I'll tell you what, myself, You older people, how many of you here are old? Raise your hand if you're old. You know what I'm talking about. You can talk to any of these older people here, and they will tell you, I wish I would have started serving the Lord when I was young. Because, man, I messed up so many things. Don't do the same thing I did. Right here, you know, Solomon, even though he's having his difficulty, he knows and he's learning from his mistakes You know, just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't serve the Lord. Give him the strong years of your life. Give him those. And then what's cool is that you lay this amazing foundation upon which you will build a skyscraper. 
because it's such a cool foundation. You know, it's interesting, in, in, in this time in Judah's history, they had this young man named Josiah, and there was another young man that was being raised up by the name of Jeremiah. And all I'm saying is that, listen, you might be out there and you're thinking, well, God uses older people. Yeah, he can, but he can also use younger people. And that's why, you know, even like these younger people coming up here doing worship, to me, it's beautiful. You know, when they're there opening the doors of the door, for whatever reason, there's something, it's like, it's like there's more love or whatever, more special. Having a young person, you know, learning to pray, coming up here and praying, these things are, are huge, you know, because God can use young people. You know, here we see that Josiah followed the example of his father, David. It says that again there in verse 2, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David, in that he did not turn away from doing what was right. And so when you know when we look at the life of David, he didn't he fell. He fell even into sexual sin. And so um man, you you're, why would God use him as a, as an example? Well, I think because number 1, he repented. And then number 2, because he never turned away from the Lord. That's the one thing. He never like Solomon followed all these other gods. And so, young person, older, those of us who are in between, never turn away from Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I find people, they haven't been going to church for a while, and I, and I, you know, I slap them upside the head, first of all, and I say, get back in church. No, I mean, you kind of want to. Where, where, where you been, you know? But the cool thing is, even while they're out there sometimes, they still believe in Jesus. They don't turn away from him. And that's a dangerous place to be because you should be in fellowship. But all I'm saying is that, you know, don't go after, well, I'm going to look after, you know, I'm a palm reader, you know, and I'm going to go and check out, you know, the different, you know, Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses. What do they teach? What is uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and all that? And that's kind of what Solomon ended up doing. And David never wavered in his, uh, you know, he followed the Lord. And that's the, that's the example that we have. And to me, it's kind of cool, even though that we look at him, again, eight years old, he must have had some type of godly influence, and that's a blessing. You know, it says in verse 16 that while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Okay, so by the end of the study, there'll be five things that you can write down and hopefully you can chew on later. Number one, please God. Have a heart to please God. And that talks about everything we've been through up to this point. And then number two is seek God. Seek God. The Hebrew word right here, it speaks of going to a frequent, to frequent a place, to seek with care, uh, to inquire, to consult. And, And so frequently, you know, you're frequently in the word. You're frequently looking up to God. You're frequently thinking about God. You know, you're faithfully, carefully, constantly, habitually there with God. And so let me ask you a question. I want you to be brutally honest. Is God number one in your life? If not, then right here, right now, just say, God, I'm going to put you where you belong and number one in my life. You know, here we have this desire that 
You know, God, as we see it throughout the scriptures, how we're supposed to seek him. The promise is if we seek him earnestly, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, then we'll find him. Think about that. You'll find God. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so not that God is lost, but there's something about uh, seeking God. In one sense, we're more lost, but you guys kind of know how it is when you're really looking for something that, that, you, that you need or something that you, know, you misplaced or is not where it belongs. How many of you guys here have ever lost your remote control to your television or your Apple TV? I'm just curious. Right, And so they say that the average American family loses their remote control at least once a week. And so, you know, there you are. That one's kind of important. You know, you're looking for that one, right? How many of you guys here lose your glasses? You ever lost your glasses? You know what I'm talking about? And so, you know, they have those things where you can put around your neck and hang your glasses here. But I won't use that because that's for old people, man. That's what they say, right? <laughs> Forgive me if you have one of those. But I just won't, I won't give up to that, <laughs> right? Um, other things that you lost, um, how, many, how many times you misplaced your phone or maybe you left it somewhere, you know? And if you lose your phone, oh man, you'll tear it up. You'll go back to the restaurant, you'll go back to church, you'll find it, right? Um, have you ever lost your earphones? Uh, some of you young people, maybe you have. I lost my AirPods for two weeks, and, um, you know, that was kind of tough, to be honest. I mean, it is horrible working out without your earphones. It's crazy. But, you know, you're looking for it. And, and so, so many things, you name it, your wallet, uh, different things like that. But, you know, even when I lost my, my AirPods, how many of you here, you kind of have the mentality, like, they'll turn up. More, more than likely, it'll turn up eventually, like, Two weeks later, I find out that my son Aaron had them. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I thought they were mine. <laughs> Boom, you know. <laughs> so anyways, but thank God, you know, because I was not about to buy new ones. Anyways, um, you know, there's a certain aspect in which you're looking for certain things. And then you guys have been engaged in that. But, but the one time I can say where I've searched for something with, with absolute desperation was when... I lost my son. We're in Knott's Berry Farm. How old was he? I think, I think he was eight years old, just like Josiah when you got a king. And you lose your son at Knott's Berry Farm. And I tell you what, the mellow fellow that I am, meek and mild, was going into those bathrooms and kicking those doors, looking for my son. I mean, it just, that's to, to me, never look for anything or anyone like when I lost my son. And what God is trying to say is that's the type of desperation that we need in order to find him. We should seek after him with all of our hearts. The promise is that if we do, we'll find him. And so seek the Lord, man. Come to church. Don't make your parents drag you here. That's a bummer, man. Listen, young people, you be the one to say, hey, let's go to church. You be the one to say, hey, sign me up. You seek God. You open your Bible. You pray. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that change everything? Wouldn't that show your parents that you're growing up and you have your priorities now in order? Simple things like that. Josiah, there came a point in his life 
where he just began to seek God. He was 16 years old. And it's a beautiful thing to see. You know, we actually went to go see that movie Sound of Freedom last night. It's based on a, on a, on a real story, a true story. of This guy, Tim Ballard, he was a former CIA agent uh, employed with Homeland Security. And he had this crazy job of actually finding um, child predators. And so, you know, he had caught hundreds of them. These are guys that would um, then sell the images of naked children and sexual acts that are performed with children. They would sell them to other people. And so, you know, he, he found hundreds of these guys. I don't want to spoil the movie for you, so if you, you, know, you want to close your ears, I'm, that's fine. But um, I won't tell you, like, all the details, but I will say this, that, you know, there, there, there came a time where, you know, finding the child predator, that's one thing. But what about the kids? What about the kids? And he eventually came to a place, and it's a really cool thing, a beautiful story. His wife was behind him. His wife was supportive, and even more so than the movie shows. And she said, go, and he ended up going. He found a, a, a little boy um, that had been you know, kidnapped. He was being crossed the, uh, on the border of Mexico, and he was able to sit him down and talk to him. In the movie, they do that whole scene in the same place, right there in Calexico, same place. But the little boy was bummed because his sister was still out there. And so the movie shows how this guy, he went to Colombia, he went to the jungles of Colombia, he went to the where the we're talking about the crazy guys are, and he looked for that little boy's sister, and he found her. And what we're talking about is a search that's not normal, that's not you know casual, that's not comfortable. Is that the way you're seeking after God? Because it should be. You know, you go, and man, you follow. What a beautiful work God has done to this individual, Tim Ballard. He has now has a ministry, and they've got... They've been able to uh, rescue hundreds of kids. And so all I know is that here we are tonight. Here's the question. Have you found God? If you seek him with all your heart, you will. You got to make him your passion. You got to make him your priority. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So I'm going to tell you guys something. I'm going to give you like a, a word of counsel. Now, it might not be applicable for everybody. It might not. I'll be the first to admit. But it says Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then basically everything else falls into place. That girl you want to marry, that's where you'll find her. That guy you want to marry, that's where you'll find him. The life, the job, everything that you have for your future. I always tell young guys, that's how you'll survive today. Because it's hard out there. Well, how am I going to make it? By seeking God first. First. So here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you. First thing, when you wake up in the morning, spend time with God. First thing, when you wake up in the morning. There's nothing like the morning hours. And you might say, well, Manny, you don't know what time I go to work. Well, let me just say this. For, for years, I used to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. For years. 
and I still woke up with enough time to seek God first. And so for some of you here, God might give you different you know, designs and details, but I want to encourage you. And I don't know how it will work, but you know, you wake up a half an hour early, you know, and you just go and you open up your Bible and you say, okay, God, speak to me. And you, you know, and, and, and you pray and you start doing that. And then before you know it, a, a day becomes a week and a week becomes a month. And before you know that, it, it becomes a discipline that you have. That's what I, I, I see Josiah here. Number one, is it the list, please God. Number two, seek God. And then number three, have no other gods, no rival thrones. It says in verse three here, during the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. And then in the 12th year, and so now he's, what, 20 years old, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles and the carved idols and, and cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal be demolished and that the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols and the cast images, notice, were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the pagan priests on their own altars. And so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. He, he did the same thing in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and in the regions all around them. He destroyed the pagan altars and Asherah poles. And notice this, he crushed the idols into dust. He cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. And finally, he returned to Jerusalem. So eight years old, he's king. 16 years old, he's seeking God. 20 years old, he's going through the nation, man. And he's cleaning house. He's purifying. He's purging the nation. And so we have to have a heart to please God. Then secondly, we have to seek God. And then thirdly, we have to make sure that we have no other gods. And I remember when we were in Cambodia, and we were there in Cambodia, and there was a whole bunch of young people. They were on top of the roof, and the Holy Spirit fell, and they all started speaking in tongues, almost all of them. Some of them started speaking in tongues. Some of them manifested demonic activity. So we took about five of them. We went into the room, and there were four of them we cast out demons there in Cambodia. So they were cast out, right? But there was one in which the demon would not leave. And so, believe it or not, we're, we know we're praying through the night, but the demon won't leave. You hear the voice. You see the manifestation of the demon. The demon would not leave. And so every once in a while, you're talking to the demon. Then you're talking to the individual. You've got to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anything in your life that you're holding on to that you, you, know, you need to get rid of? No, no, I have accepted Jesus. There's nothing in my life. And then the demon's back. And so the next day, same thing, same thing. We left, and still that demon had not been cast out. But what happened was the next day, the guy who was the overseer of the orphanage, his name is, I think it's Kip or whatever, but he called us back and he said that this young lady 
had an idol. She had an idol in her belongings. It was a statue that she didn't want to get rid of. And that idol kept the demon inside of her. And this is why she had to let it go. She gave it up. And when she finally gave up that idol, the demon departed. They were able to cast out that demon. She accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And you might think, well, it's no big deal. I got this little sin over here. I got this little idol over here, whatever it might be. And that's what's getting in the way between you and experiencing the God of the universe. And so right here, when we see Josiah going in there, burning things, crushing things, we're talking about even burning bones and stuff. I mean, it's just, that's serious cleaning house. When I got saved, I flushed all my pot down the toilet. I took all my devil music, got rid of it. I mean, I got rid of it. You know, friends, I love my friends, but you know, they didn't want to accept the Lord. And so there had to be a, you had to juggle those things. You had to be careful because if you got friends that are not Christians and they're influencing you for things that are bad, you know, we have to make those decisions. Um, right here, Josiah, he cleaned house. First Corinthians 5.7 says, Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. And you guys remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread? They know they had a rule, no leaven allowed. So they would literally go and they would look through the house to make sure there was no leaven because it says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In my life, I'm not perfect. I sin, you can ask my wife, but I try not to. Never, ever would I go into sin with eyes wide open. Never. That's our desire. That's our heart. We can't have leaven. You know, and as you go through the story, we're not going to be able to, to read the whole thing, but this had all been prophesied in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2, over 300 years earlier, this man of God called this Josiah by name that one day he would come and do all these things. And, and I guess like in one sense, let me just ask you a question tonight. Are you real? You know, Ryan uses the word poser, and it sounds better when he says it for some reason, you know. But, you know, uh, are you real? And, and by real, you know, here's the kind of funny thing. Like, um, some might say, well, you're radical. You're a radical Christian, man. I mean, you don't listen to, you know, I used to like that song, Hell's Bells. I used to like that song, Running With the Devil. And I'm saying I never listened to, to Van Halen. Some of the other songs are okay, but not that one. Not Running With the Devil, you know, all I know is that, you know, you go through it and, and, and some might say, well, you're radical, you're radical. I don't think so. I think that you're just real. And what we're talking about here where Josiah is cleaning house, getting rid of the sin, that's real. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 29 through 30, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, in the, it says right hand, even your stronger hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And so what is Jesus saying here? After service, if you're here and you're lusting, you need to come forward and we are going to gouge out your eye. Okay. <laughs> If you're here and you're a thief, we're going to cut off your hand. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying here 
that we need to deal drastically with sin as Josiah did. And so as you go on through the rest of the story, it's really interesting. Second Chronicles 34, 8-21, it talks about how they found the book of the law in the church. And so wouldn't it be crazy, you guys? See what this is right here? It's a Bible, right? What if you didn't have a Bible? What if they came to a point in history where no one had a Bible anymore? Well, that's where they were. They didn't have a Bible. And they had apparently lost the Bible in the church. And then one day they're cleaning it all up. They're fixing it all up because Josiah cares about the temple. And they found the Bible in the church. I will say this. There's a lot of churches that don't teach the Bible. They don't. And so, you know, we have to make sure that we're teaching the Bible, that we don't lose it in the church. But um, it's so cool that when he found it, you know, these guys, they took it to Josiah, they read it, and Josiah heard it, and then he just tore his clothes. He said, man, we're in trouble because we haven't been obedient. And what is that? It's called conviction. It's called conviction when God cuts to the heart and God speaks to me and he says, Manny... What kind of man are you? What kind of pastor are you? You know, and God begins to convict you. What kind of son are you? What kind of friend are you? You know, how's your prayer life? How how are you really in the word? Are you praying for the people? Are you really? And so, you know, you try to be, you know, let the word of God do what it's supposed to do. It has to convict us. It has to cut us to the heart. Most people in the church, they, they, they're led by their emotions, not their convictions. Convictions are formed by the Bible. And so what we see right here is he, they read it, and you guys, I pray that you go through and you check this out, and they found the Bible, and so now it's back where it belongs. And I'm telling you guys this, this Bible right here is so important that you read it and heed it and you love it and learn it and live it, This is the truth in the land of lies. And so we've come now to the fourth thing. We had to please God, number one. Seek God, number two. Have no other gods, number three. And then number four, um, read and heed the word of God. It can happen so easily. A lot of churches, they're so caught up in the lights and the show and whatever, the the, the sociology, psychology, but no theology. Amos 8.11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And I'm telling you guys this, because I can talk and I can say a lot of words. It's, it's nothing compared to the word of God. And as you're learning it, and I was telling this guy today, I said, you know what, when I first got saved, I remember hearing from my pastor and from the Holy Spirit, the Lord told me, read your Bible every year. Read through your Bible every year. And so I read through my Bible every year. I don't know how many years. It's been like 33 years, 33 times reading the Bible and then sitting in so many studies, listening to so many studies. I'm telling you guys, just my my life has been saturated with the word of God. And I think with all my heart that that's, the, oh, that's the, the reason that God has allowed me to stay, you know, in the race. You guys, this, we found the Bible. Prayerfully, you, you know it, man. And you young people, you read it. 
and you learn it. It's more important. And the Bible talks about that. When I, maybe one day or tonight, go home, read Psalm uh, 119. Read the whole psalm. It's just beautiful, you know? And, and so you, you go on here. When Josiah was, you heard the word, he, was, he thought, I'm going to die. And so they sent to their prophetess, Huldah, and she tells them, you know what? You're, because you were tender and you humbled yourself, you're not going to see judgment. It will come eventually. And I don't like this. Real quick, let me just say this. That um, Josiah and Jeremiah, you know, Daniel, Joseph, Mary. I mean, there's so many examples of young people in the Bible that were used in powerful ways. So you young people, you can be used. And you girls, you ladies, you sisters. This gal right here, Huldah, the prophet, prophetess, she was used in a great way. So I just pray that you know that. You know, guys, gals, older, younger, it, it doesn't matter. You know, and then when you read the whole thing, I, I want to jump over to verse 31 and close with this. Because after it's all done, and then later on, you're going to see they have this crazy Passover celebration. It was just so beautiful. But before they get there, in verse 31 of Second Chronicles 34, it says, Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes, notice, with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And so Josiah the king, he, he just, if you read the New King James, he just, he stood up and he says, okay, I'm going to make a stand right here in front of all of you guys. I want you to know that I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to be obedient to the Bible. And then he said, and I want all of you to stand to your feet. And I want you to make a stand the same way. You know, and I, he forced them. You know, it's a little different back then. <laughs> I can't force you. And you know what's the crazy thing? Even God can't force you. But it would be the best decision that you would ever make in your life. You know, that's the last point. Number one is to please God. Number two is to seek God. Number three is to have no other gods. Number four is to read and heed the word of God. And then number five is to embrace the new covenant of God. It's a new covenant. It's not the old one. It's the new one. It's the one where Jesus died for you on a cross so that when you put your faith in him, you are forgiven. You will go to heaven. And now in this new covenant, it's not written on tablets of stone. It's written on your heart. What is it? It's a relationship. It's a relationship that you can have with God because he loves you. That's a choice that you have to make. No one can make that for you. And so I pray that today we would, we would all stand like that. The moral courage that Josiah had, these people had, we need today. No matter how uh, old you are, young you are, I pray that you would make that decision.